Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What is up, my friends? I hope y'all out there having a wonderful week and a happy new year. We are coming at you. It's January 1st. I am Sean Alshadi. We've got the whole crew here. Jed Mishu, Damon Martin. It is 2024. And we're kicking off the year, fellas, with a little competition today. We're calling our shots. We're running it back. We are peering into those old crystal balls to predict the UFC champions at the end of this year, at the end of 2024. It is still weird that I am saying 2024. It does not feel like 2024, but somehow it is. And fellas... We have done this before. This is, we've done this offline, just informally amongst ourselves. And then last year, we sort of made it official. We did it for real, for real. And I said it last year. I'll say it again. Whatever you're thinking out there, listening to this in podcast land, whatever's running through your mind, trust me, if you've never done this, you should give it a shot because it is so much damn harder than you think it is. Case in point, last year, we had 11 people on staff who participated in this. 11 people whose lives are literally... 24-7 revolving around MMA, all of us who spend an unhealthy amount of time and brain power just thinking about this dumb sport, and only one of us got even half of the answers right. Only <laughs> one got half. Guillermo Cruz, the Brazilian beast, uh, won last year's picks competition. He got six out of 12 divisions right for the UFC champion predictions. The rest of us just got five or less, and uh, poor AK. He's, he's not here to defend himself, but he got one out of 12. That seems impossible. I don't know how you do that, but he pulled it off. Again, though, this is a very hard... It's impressive. It's a very hard exercise. And also, I will say, Jed, you maybe nailed the, the most impressive picks of anybody, just in terms of you nailed women's bantamweight and women's featherweight. We'll just not have champs. Perfect. Well I felt done. great about that bet at the time, too, and it the whole year played out. I was like, oh, this is this is just ideal. What's that? As soon as Amanda retires, both of the, I was like, Featherweight's just gonna be gone. And then they won't do Bantamweight because I, I thought she'd fight near the end of the year and then retire at that point. But then she fought, you know, early in the year, but then they just gave up. So it worked out well. They just threw their hands up and they're like, this division isn't worth it. 
and uh, we're left with no champs. So just for you guys out there, the, among us on this podcast, Jed, you you got first among us. Uh, you got five out of 12, right? You were second place on the whole website tied with New York, Rick, Eric Jackman. Uh, I got four out of 12, so I was one back behind you. And then Damon, you, you edged out AK. <laughs> you beat AK. You got two out of 12. Uh, I got the deuce. <laughs> so we're going to get into it. We're going to rip through these. But before we start, I just want to open the floor here. Was this easier or harder for you guys than last year? Because I will say it feels like we're in a weird, very nebulous gray area with several of these divisions, does it not? Oh, yeah. So I think it's both, right? So when I was doing my list this year, I remember last year felt pretty good about my list. Because, I mean, one, there were so many obvious options that were going to, like, all right, we know Brandon Royval and Brandon Moreno are, are about, uh, uh, Alexander Pantoja and Brandon Moreno, sorry, are about to fight. The winner of that probably going to be the dude who holds the belt because we know that Brandon Royval is next in line and both men have already beaten him. That seems like an easy one. I just got to predict that fight and feel good about it. I ended up getting that fight wrong, but <laughs> it was pretty clear. It's like, all right, I know... Yuri Prohashka is going to come back this year and it's probably near the end of the year and he is going to get a title shot. If Yuri wins, then I'm going to get this one right. That happened, except for the Yuri winning parts was wrong. <laughs> like I felt that my process was so much easier last year of like A to B to C. And there were a couple, obviously, Sean Strickland that no one could have you know, seen coming. But I remember feeling really good about my process last year. This year, it is straight up shots in the dark. Like when we go through our lists, every one of my lists, but for like maybe one or two is just explicitly, I'm going to pick who I think the best fighter in the weight class is. And hopefully they get a title shot somewhere <laughs> in this calendar year. Cause otherwise I, I am throwing darts in the dark at this point. I think I think last year I overestimated the amount of people who are going to lose their titles. And so I think I just started like really just being like, Oh, I think like, I think at the time I think I picked Henry Cejudo to be bantamweight champion because I was like, I think he probably can beat Aljamain. And then he was very know, close. And then, you know, it, I just, it was, it, I, I, cause there's always those fights that you think, you know, what's going to happen. And then there's always upsets. Like no one saw Sean Strickland coming, but I just, I think I overcompensated thinking there was going to be so many title changes and there were, but just in the weird ways they happened with like Sean Strickland beating Israel Adesanya and Pantoja beating uh, Brandon Moreno, things like that. Like I just didn't necessarily see those coming. I tried to go a little bit outside the park a little bit with my picks. And this year I tried to get a little bit more inbounds, but that probably means I'm going to end up with like one right out of the, out of the 11 divisions we're picking. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm like, I'm like Jed, I'm throwing darts and I'm throwing darts and just hoping I hit the bullseye. Look, David, it's only up for you, right? It's only up <laughs> two out of 12. Come on. You can, you can beat that. I have faith in you. I will say this year, looking at the slate and then sort of looking at last year and the years before too, just sort of the trends that we have seen over the past couple of years, it does feel like more so than ever. It's just availability at this point. Like it's not um it's not merit for a lot of this. It's the Sean Strickland stuff. It's just who they're gonna do this on this specific date and who's gonna be available for it, which makes it so much weirder and so much more difficult to pick some of these picks. Cause you again, I feel like people have been picking Magomed and Kalayev and Hamzat Shemaev to be champions in these divisions for several years in a row. And they're just not getting the shots in like real ways. <laughs> When when you say you feel like that, I think what you mean is 
That is definitely happening because when we do our pre-year pick three new champions article, we have both picked those two men the last like three years, <laughs> and it is still just they've never fought for the belt. We're going to do it again this year, Gene. I know that I am going to pick Hamza Chmaev in the draft, in the future fantasy draft, and he's probably not going to fight for a title because this sport doesn't make any goddamn sense. And there you go. Mangaman Ankalaev actually did fight for a title, and yet we all forgot about it because it was so dumb of a situation. And that speaks yeah, to exactly they probably should have won it. Saying. And then this whole thing happened. And that's, that's why I didn't win that year's competition against you. <laughs> and then this year was just... We went 0 for 6 in our fantasy draft, Sheen. Like, it's such a silly sport. It's, it's again, Guillermo Cruz nailing 6 out of 12 is incredibly impressive for last year. And uh, I need him to hit me with some lottery numbers so I can just quit my job and never have to do this again. Uh, because <laughs> that man's good at this. One little last plot twist we're going to throw in this before we start. You get two locks. Locks count for double. Oh, good. Neither of us, though, none of us, I should say, are allowed to use those locks for Islam Makachev, who everyone on the team voted for, for the lightweight division, except for Mike, who staked his flag in Armand Sarukian. But outside of that, everyone was Islam. That was the consensus, more or less, for the website. So I respect that from Mike. It's not going to happen for him, but I respect it. The man stays on brand. The man stays on brand. Yeah. I mean, Armand's just not going to get his chance to fight. So that's why that's net has no chance to happen. But good for Mike. So no Islam on the locks. Outside of that, you are free to pick anyone you'd like. All right, let's do this. We're going to move through these quickly, and you out there listening, again, send us your picks as well. Who do you think is going to end the year with UFC Gold? Let's have some fun with this. And so we're going to start. If you, go, if you send us your picks and go 12 or 11 for 11, we'll give you something. <laughs> what are you going to give Because it's not possible. I don't know. We'll give them something. Figure it out. Jed Mashu will give you something. 12 months to determine what it will be, but these picks have to come in, you know, before the year starts. But uh, yeah, ship them our way. You heard it. Jed Mishu will allow you into his house and you can rummage around and pick something of value <laughs> and, and leave with it. That is what we agreed on. Mm, you know, let's workshop that part of it, but yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we're going to start with the big fellas, the big boys, the heavyweights. And, uh, you know, this division enters 2024 as a... Total miss. I think that's the proper word for it. John Jones holds the belt, ostensibly. Uh, Tom Aspinall holds the interim belt. Stipe Miocic is, for some reason, the forever number one contender, despite not fighting for going on three years at this point. Jed's going to try to gaslight the hell out of John Jones pretty much the entire year, and it's entirely possible that 2024 may be the final year of John Jones' career, and he might not fight anyone of actual note. So he's scared. That is the setup we are left with. Jed, start us off. Who is your champion at the end of 2024? We were talking about this beforehand, and I was trying to figure out who my locks are going to be. This will be one of my locks. I was shocked when you were like, yeah, nobody's... I don't, I don't think people are kind of unanimously in this. I mean, I'm going for the one true champion of the heavyweight division. It's Tommy Aspinall. Aspinall. Tommy Aspinall. Um, Exactly. Thank you. John Jones is a scared little girl and is not going to fight anybody real. He (laughs) is uh, focused on this vanity fight against an old firefighter that I guess will happen. But when that's over, he's going to retire. He probably won't say he retires, but he's just going to take an exit from the sport and then, you know, do the Henry Cejudo thing where he's kind of always in the background. 
uh, and our boy, our true champion, Tommy Aspinall will elevate. And, uh, I gotta tell you, even if there's some weird in crazy world where John decides he's not a scared little girl and wants to actually fight a real heavyweight contender instead of an old man who can't walk. I still, th- I still think I'd pick Tom Aspinall to beat him. Uh, and I'd pick Tom Aspinall to beat every heavyweight because I just don't think there's a dude out there right now competing who is going to defeat this man. So Tommy Aspinall is my choice and using one of my locks on it because as we get to more of my list, I don't feel great about many of the rest of my choices. <laughs> Bang! There it is. What about you, David? So I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot down Jed's pick for one reason because heavyweight is so volatile. If you would have told me like four, five, six years ago, I would have said, "Man, Cain Velasquez is gonna stay champion. That guy's the most dominant. Like when he's healthy, the most dominant guy. When he's not healthy, he's out. And he's not fighting. That's another way to hold on to your title. But weird things happen in the sport. And so, as good as Tom Aspinall might be. He could also be the heavyweight Darren Till where he gets one fight. It looks great. And his next fight, he gets somehow knocked out by Jelton Almeida because that's just how weird the sport is. So it's hard. So my pick for heavyweight is John Jones. And here's why it's not because it's not because I don't think Tom Aspinall will be champion. I think Tom Aspinall will probably still be interim champion. Here's the problem. I think John Jones will fight Steve Miocic July or August, depending on when they can get that fight made. And then I don't think he's going to retire right away. I think he's going to sit and say, I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. And he's going to end the year as champion because that's just how the sport works. So I'm going with John Jones based solely on the fact that I think he fights and beats Stipe and then doesn't make a decision about his career until after 2024 is over. And then maybe in 2025, he pulls the GSP where he just says, I'm not coming back. Tom, you're the champion. Have fun at it. And that's it. And and also, and with Tom, the problem with Tom is, He's going to have to fight other people this year. He's not going to get to fight John Jones. He's not going to fight Stipe. He's going to have to fight Jelton Almeida. He's going to have to maybe do the rematch. Maybe somehow down the road, he finally gets Curtis Blades again. I don't know, but this is a heavyweight division where weird things happen. It's hard to pick anyone outside of the one lock I know that I believe is going to win, and that's John Jones. I'd like to file an HR violation against Damon. Um, (laughs) This is the darkest timeline, and I don't know why you're – suggesting it happens i hate everything you just said damon every word every word that just came out of your mouth was poison to me (laughs) tell me tell me i don't have a point though come on now be honest you know i have a point i'm not saying it can't happen i'm saying we shouldn't speak about it on at risk of it manifesting the real world i believe in manifestation i manifested dricus duplessis uh to be our future middleweight champion as you all remember um this is just why would we why would we put this out there into the ether? The heavyweight title will have not been defended for two years functionally because beating Steve isn't a title defense. It's a joke. It's a farce. It's nonsense. Like, oh, I hope I hope so badly that you are incorrect. The world you just painted out means that Tom Aspinall is an interim champion for more than a year. Hello, Heenan Burrell. Where are you at, Heenan? <laughs> I hate everything. Uh, I don't. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is this so is dumb. The what, what I hate the most is that everything you said could actually happen. Like this was this is could. not a far fetched scenario, and it's it pains me that you have brought it into my world. It's <laughs> awful. It's awful, and it's doubly awful because like at light heavyweight, they have just been passing the belt around like a hot potato because as soon as one dude stubs a toe, the UFC is like, no, that's our belt. We got to put it on somebody else. Or John Jones are like, I don't care. Sit out for seven years. 
as long as people forget that Francis left us. That's all that matters. It's ridiculous. Oh, I'm all right. Well, I'm going to counteract the awful, awful, awful things that you just put on our plate. David. The worst thing I've ever heard. I'm going Tom Aspinall as well. And that's a lie. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you, Jed. I think that this, here's the scenario. Here's how this is going to play out next year. It's going to be dumb. Tom Aspinall is going to have to sit on the sidelines for no reason in the prime of his career for way too long. John Jones and Steve Bear are going to eventually fight at some point in either the end of the second quarter or the beginning of the third quarter of 2024. John's going to win because Steve is old and hasn't fought in a really long time. And then John's going to eventually retire. Maybe he doesn't that night, but he will drag it on for a bit, let people celebrate him, and then he will retire. And then Tom Aspinall around the end of the third quarter next year will finally be brought into the actual place he should be already and be made the actual champion. And he'll start fighting real guys. And maybe he gets a title defense in at that point, but maybe not, but it's going to be the Robert Whitaker situation. It's going to be the Michael Bisbing, Robert Whitaker thing all over again. That's how I see it. So I'm going Tom Aspinall as well. Oh yeah. I forgot to mention, I forgot to throw that out there. My John Jones is a lock. That's one of my two locks. Cause I'm telling you, it's it's going to, I'm co- I'm that confident in him being Stipe, but I'm also that confident in him not immediately announcing his retirement. Stipe, I think, will retire, win, lose, or draw. I think his career is done July, whatever, next year when he fights John Jones. He's done. But he's not going to win, so John Jones is going to be champion. And I think John Jones is going to take time to decide what he's going to do. And we're talking July, maybe August. And then at that point, do you really, truly believe he's going to fight again in December? At this point uh, in his career, yeah. no. So I think he's going to leave 2024 as champion. Dueling locks. Yeah. So I'm just, again, I know this is not a scenario any of you want to hear. There's a great you all have to admit, it is, is 100% a scenario that can and could actually happen. You, you have brought a great pain into my chest right now, and we need to move on. <laughs> Shame. Shame on you, Damon Martin. Uh, all right. We go down to the 205ers, light heavyweight. Alex Pereira, Poetan, your champion coming into the new year. Damon, let's start with you. Where is this division headed? Who you got? This division is, this is just a, this is like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, like, it's a dumpster fire, but not because there's not good fighters. It's just because every bad thing that could happen to the champions keeps happening. Uh, You know, we get, we get, uh, we get uh yuri he gets a shoulder injury we get jamal hill has a great performance against glover to share he tears his achilles playing pickup basketball uh then alex Pereira comes out of nowhere and knocks out yuri at the end of the it's just i this is a wild division um so i'm going with for my pick for light heavyweight champion at the end of the year i'm going with my guy the guy I still have ranked number one in the division i'm going with my guy jamal hill I think he will get the title shot when he comes back from the Achilles. I know, you know, he's talking about, you know, probably May, June, somewhere around there. I think Pereira might defend the title before then. Maybe they do a super fight with Israel at 205. Maybe they do something else. Maybe he gets Ankalaev or um or Johnny Walker of all people. They fight in January. I have no idea. Alex Pereira is good, but he's susceptible. And I think Jamal Hill is, has got size, he's got power. And I think he's able to get the job done. So I'm going to go with Jamal Hill when he comes back to get the title. There you go. And in the year as champion. It makes sense. It's opportunity. You're picking on opportunity. We know Jamal Hill will fight for a title in 2024. The Achilles scares me, though. I got to say, the Achilles scares me off. So I'm going to default to my same pick that I have made several years in a row. 
Because eventually this man will hold gold in the UFC, and maybe this is the year. Who knows? I think the era of him holding gold will be a very boring, uninteresting era, but it is destined to happen. Magomed Ekhalayev is my pick. I just think he's the best 205 in the world. He's going to get that fight with Johnny Walker at the beginning of the year. That's what kicks us off, kicks off our schedule. And eventually you think that he's got to be there, whether it's at the end of the year, middle of the year, something, the opportunity will come. He will get that shot, and I think he will win against whoever is still holding the belt at that point. So Ankalive is my pick. How about you, Jed? I'm also on Ankalive. I think Jamal Hill is maybe the smart choice because of the what Damon outlined, and I considered him for a long time just because I we know he's going to get a title fight, whereas we don't know that with Ankalive, obviously, and we know it's probably going to be a title fight a little later in the year. So, you know, he gets it in June or whatever wins and then just doesn't fight again. They're, you know, Bob's your uncle, he's your champ. That being said, uh, I don't, I, I still don't know what to make of Jamal Hill. He wasn't very good until he won the title. That was obviously a sensational performance, but you know, we saw Cody Garbrandt put on a performance for the ages and then immediately suck shit for the next like five years. So I tell, I can absolutely believe that happened with Jamal Hill. Also, I think if he like ends up fighting Alex Pereira for the belt, Pereira probably just bonks him. Uh, and oh, by the way, I'm just not super into picking him given um, the personal things that have happened with him on the back end of the year. So I was like, nah, screw it. Magomed's fighting in January. If he beats that, if he beats Johnny Walker, then maybe he still has to fight one more time, like the winner of the Yuri uh, Prahashka Alexander Rakic fight that's coming up next year as well. But if fighting in January means he's going to get three fights in or certainly has the opportunity to get three fights in next year. And if he wins two of them, there's just no world where the third isn't for a belt. I do think he's probably the best light heavyweight in the world. I'm, I'm banking on him finally doing the thing I have thought he would do for the last three years. Uh, don't feel great about it. <laughs> Straight up. Don't feel great about it because the UFC is not interested in him being champion pretty clearly. Uh, and I can't blame him, but that's why I'm, I'm going with ankle. Live as well. See, here's the thing. I, I wanted, I think I've picked ankle. I have before too. And here's the problem. I, I agree with you, Jed. He probably is the best light heavyweight in the world, but weird stuff just keeps happening. The young, yeah, the young fight. And then the Johnny Walker fight. And who could oh, have even who, the Kutalaba <laughs> fights before that? Don't forget those, like yeah. the weird Kutalaba things. He's yeah, cursed. Like the, it's absolutely the, cursed. Yeah. So like, I just, I'm betting the odds. And also what you said, the UFC doesn't want him to be champion after that whole Blahovich like wildness. I don't think they want him to be champion. I think they're going to continue to throw him in there and hope anyone else gets so, the belt. It remains the weirdest thing of the past year. Honestly, maybe even more weird than Sean Strickland being champion, though probably not. That's still pretty odd. Like why they got why Dana got so mad at a fight that was like pretty decent and just ended in a draw. And that's <laughs> not the fault of either of the fighters in there. Like they are not to blame for a draw being rendered, but Dana just like clearly hates him for it. And I don't get it. You just, you have to ostensibly think that this Johnny Walker rematch is a number one contender fight because there's no one else right now. Maybe there's no one else like Jamal Hill. I get it, but we don't know when that's going to be this. Like this has to be the number. That's one. incorrect, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. Have you forgotten, uh, a young man out there who is the terror of former glory kickboxers, Cleo Roundtree Jr. 
that man deserves a title fight. I hope Alex Pereira defends against him next year. It's one away. It's one away. Well, speaking of doing the same thing over and over again and getting the, the same results, and yet we're still doing it over and over again, let's <laughs> yep. let's move to middleweight. Uh, and I'll just get it out of the way first. I'm picking Hamzat Shemaev because I've picked <laughs> Hamzat Shemaev to be a UFC champion for like four years in a row now. And eventually I'm going to be right. And I think this is the year and this is the division where I'll finally be right. What about you, fellas? <laughs> I'm doing the same for almost exactly the same reason, Gene, because I can't get off the train now because if this is the time the train actually comes into the station, then I'd be so furious. I'm dug uh, in. Like, I think it's going to happen, and here's why. I I was between two people. It was between Hamza and DDP. I am predicting DDP to beat Sean Strickland when they do fight in January. Obviously, if I'm wrong there, I'm wrong there. Uh, and I think DDP ends up fighting Hamza Chamayev later in the year. That fight is like one of my most anticipated fights of 2024. And it's not even like on deck, but that's just a car crash. Like the, the way those two dudes get after it. I think DDP Sean Strickland is a fascinating fight for the, how opposed they are in their styles and the way they get down DDP and, and Hamzat are just going to, it's going to be Godzilla versus King Kong yeah. in there. It's just at middleweight and it's going to be sick. So I'm hope I'm manifesting that to happen. Cause I love that fight. And I just assume that Hamzat will win because that's like the sort of fight he can really thrive in. But I don't know. Like I wouldn't be shocked. DDP has been, been beating the hell out of people in the weirdest fashion for the last like three years. So I just, I'm defaulting. Hamzat's supposed to have been champion. Maybe he'll finally do it this year. I I really, I really hate that this is the route we're going down because my pick is also Hamzat Shemaev. <laughs> so this is cursed. Hey, because at least you've been different. Me and Shaheen are three for three right now. <laughs> yeah, so I I went Hamzat for, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I think DDP will beat Strickland, but I'm not completely sold on that because until until DDP beat the brakes off Robert Whitaker, which I think we all would admit was kind of a shocking result, he had kind of... He kind of fought from behind in a lot of fights. Like he always had that question of his cardio and he kind of, he kind of pulled fights out. He didn't always dominate. He dominated Robert Whitaker. He could do that to Sean Strickland or I could see Sean Strickland pulling a rabbit out of the hat and getting like a 48, 47 decision. I can absolutely see that happening in an ugly title fight because that's just what happens when Sean Strickland fights. Sean Strickland stays champion. Then it's just a matter of who gets to him first. Um, and I think UFC 300, I think they are setting us up, in my opinion, they're setting us up for Hamzat versus Israel Adesanya at UFC 300. And I think Hamzat wins that fight, and then he gets the title shot. So I'm gambling on Hamzat getting a big fight to start the year and then getting the title shot against the winner of DDP and Strickland. And I think Hamzat beats either one of them, in my opinion. So that's why I'm going with Hamzat. Don't feel great about it because the guy just seems to, he wants to fight every weekend, but then fights once a year, but hopefully maybe something will happen. Can't they not do Hamzat at 300? Like, cause that's going to be in Vegas and Hamzat and his like the visa deep stuff. associations with Kadyrov kind of make him not like it's viable it, to fight in the U S murky. It definitely seems like he will usually if only fight in the middle East. So I'm not sure how it will be able to work. 
if they wanted to do that. I think the other the other caveat to that is that Ramadan runs in March to April. That's ends on April, also ends, ends, on April ends on April 10th, and, and the fight's April yeah, 13th. So that's I don't also know, a major blocker. I don't know his philosophy on fighting. Like, I know Bilal Muhammad has fought and will fight around Ramadan, but I know Islam Makachev won't. Like, he doesn't want to fight around Ramadan. So I think it depends. I don't know what Hamza stands on that is. Like, maybe he doesn't want to do it, and that is... The 10th is when Ramadan ends. That's literally three days before UFC 300. So yeah. I don't know if he'd want to do that. But I'm just, again, I'm just gambling on the fact that he's going to win one more and then get the title shot. And I feel pretty good. I don't even think he needs to win the one more, Damon. I he think he just give him a title shot. Like, he might not. When they, when they go back to Abu Dhabi next summer, he just fights the winner of DDP Strickland. Could be. Could absolutely be. That's what I said. I'm playing the odds here that he's going to get a title yeah. shot and beat whoever is the champion at that time. It seems really likely he's going to fight for a belt this year. Like, right? Like, that. it would be crazy for him to not fight for a belt this year. As you said, Jed, I've been holding on to this lottery ticket for like four years. I can't throw it away yeah. now, the year it might finally actually cash out. Yeah. But because like we. It should have happened last year, but since it didn't, it really has to happen this year. It should have happened every year. But because we are all in unanimous decision here let me throw out a devil's advocate argument no let me throw out a devil's advocate argument of why we could be wrong is we're stupid and don't get anything right (laughs) is there a very real world where ddp or strickland whoever wins that has that fight to start us off first pay-per-view of the year and then israel asanya comes back and gets thrown into an immediate title shot and potentially beats either of those guys or just whatever fights those guys. And then that's the year. That's the entire year is you had one at the beginning of the title fight at the beginning of the year. And then you had a title fight sort of the middle of the year. I think that's possible. I would still think unlikely just because if Izzy comes back uh, and fights whoever, well, one, if you fought Sean Strickland, I would just pick Sean Strickland to beat him again. You don't, I don't. I don't know what he's going to change to subvert a five round. Either ass way, that's another year of Hamza Shmaev sitting out here. No, like if, if that happens, in, but if that happens in the middle of the year, I think we get one more. Maybe. Like I, Maybe. I just, Sean Strickland will, if he somehow is still champ at this point, will a thousand percent. And DDP tends to want to be a little more active than he has been. So I, I think we. I think we're in line for three middleweight title shots this year. Three in one year is rare. I mean, we're getting the January one, so I think we'll get a summer one and then an end of year. But it is rare, yeah. I think that's the 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 one gamble to make is the either featherweight or middleweight, probably because they fight January, February. Like, there's a mm-hmm. chance those champions could potentially do three in a year. Because that's again, that's why I went with my John Jones pick. He's probably going to fight in July or August, and then I don't think he fights for the rest of the year. Like I'm just playing the odds of like timing. That's true. It's tough. That's tough. That's what you got to think about with this competition, though. All right, let's move on. We'll move to 170, uh, the division that I've picked Hamza out to be champion of multiple years in a row, and that's just obviously never <laughs> going to happen. So now he can no longer be picked. So at least that saves me. Damon, let's start with you on this one. Where did you land for your welterweight champion? So last year I was completely wrong because I'm pretty sure I picked Kamaru Usman and he didn't beat Leon Edwards and then he didn't fight at welterweight again. And that's also how Hamza's going to get a title fight is beating Kamaru Usman of all things. Um, okay, so I do believe Bilal Muhammad will get his title shot. I think at this point it is clearly going to happen. I think probably, you know, if it's not UFC 300, it's probably going to be May, maybe in England. I think Bilal has a great chance of winning that fight. I do not doubt Bilal Muhammad. I think he's gotten so much better from when he fought Leon the first time. but. I got to have a couple of champions that I think are going to somehow make it through the year. 
And with Shavkat having ankle surgery or likely having ankle surgery, it's going to put him out on the shelf for a while. I'm again playing timing here. I think Leon Edwards can beat. I know Leon Edwards can beat Bilal. Will he beat him? I don't know. But I'm going to lean towards Leon. Uh, I don't feel good about this pick at all because it's an incumbent champion holding on to their belt. But I'm going to go with Leon Edwards just based on timing and opportunity, fighting Bilal, a fight he can win, and then Shavkat being injured and maybe not fighting much, if at all, because an ankle surgery could be pretty nasty. And depending on timing, he may come back and have to fight somebody else. And then maybe we get, you know, Leon versus, I don't know, like Ian Gary or some stupid happens by the end of the year. I have no idea. Ooh, but I I'm hate that fight for Leon. <laughs> I'm leaning, uh, I'm leaning Leon Edwards. So I'm going to go with Leon Edwards, but I do not feel good about this pick whatsoever. So as we're doing this, I'm looking at my list and I'm realizing that I have only picked new champions so far. And I'm starting to doubt myself and feel a little feel a little worried about my picks because it feels like at some point I need to pick somebody to retain the belt. It's not buddy. All of mine are new champions except for lightweight. (laughs) Yeah, this is, this is getting, this is getting hairy for me, Uh, but it's not going to happen on this one because Shavkat's the guy. Shavkat's the man. Shavkat is the champion of this division, whether or not Leon Edwards has that belt, he is going to be the king of this division by the end of this year. I agree that the ankle, the, the surgery and all that will hold him off, but he'll be back by third quarter, fourth quarter, and he will get that opportunity because he is pretty much undeniable at this point, and there is no longer a Colby Covington-esque dumb fight standing in his way. I think Shemkat, I've thought Shemkat Ragmanov was going to be champion since the moment I first laid eyes on him. I have not wavered from that one second, and his last fight was incredible and only swayed me even further towards that argument. Shemkat Ragmanov, 2024 is the year, and that's a lock. Jed. Man, Shaheen, we're really not being interesting because Shavkat Rachmanov, I'm not going to take him as my lock. He was my number three on the lock train, but I'm taking him for sure. He's the best fighter in this weight class, and I frankly do not think it is close. Um, Defaulting to that for all my picks, but I also think the timeline is perfect for him here. I think Leon will fight Bilal, as Damon said. I think Bilal has a decent shot. Um, That fight is 50-50 in my eyes, and whoever wins... If Leon loses, I'm sorry, he's not getting an immediate title fight unless there is like controversy or something like that. The UFC is deeply not going to be interested in doing Leon versus Bilal 3 to headline <laughs> a pay-per-view. So the winner of that fight is going to have to defend later back into the year, and Shavkat will be coming off of ankle surgery. He'll have had some time to recuperate. And I think I think Leon is, a, is, in, is in an awful style matchup. I think Shavkat would absolutely run over Leon Bilal is, I would say more interesting, but I would still, uh, dude, he's, he is an undeniable force. I think he's the best fighter in this weight class. I think he's going to finally get his opportunity. And this is the year I am manifesting. This is the year where all the best fighters in the weight classes actually get to fight for belts <laughs> instead of whatever the hell it is we've been doing for the last two years. So Shavka Rachmanov is my choice. Is there a world where, because I, I, I like Shavkat. I think he's obviously got future champion written all over him. But is there a world where Shavkat has to come back and fight somebody else first? Because beating Wonderboy is good, but is it really? Like, I, I, I think there is a world where he could end up having to fight Kamar Usman coming back to welterweight or, you know, maybe the winner of Gilbert Burns, Jack Della Maddalena. Or, and, I, and also, to be clear, I think if Bilal beats Leon, which it kind of breaks my heart not to pick him because I, you know, I've been banging the drum for a very long time that Bilal deserves that title shot. 
if Bilal beats him, I think Bilal is a, a far worse matchup for Shavkat than Leon is. Much like, worse. I, that, Much like worse. His, his gas tank and his and his wrestling and his pace could give Shavkat and, problems. And, and he fights, whereas Leon doesn't fight. <laughs> Leon just touches you four times over the course of twenty five minutes. But, but is there a world where Shavkat? <laughs> But is there a world where Shavkat has to fight someone else and it's just timing once again? That's what I'm betting on because the ankles are all timing. Know. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. I think that the injury helps him in that regard because he has an excuse to sit out, essentially, right? Because you're right. Ankle stuff is, is touch and go. Like, it'll, it'll be a while before he's ready to go. And really, there's no one else ahead of him except for Bilal. And that, to me, is the thing. Like, I keep coming back to, like, okay, who would jump Shavkat? And I just can't come up with a name outside of the obvious one, which is Bilal, who deserves that shot already. But once that fight happens, who's the next person who's going to steal that spot? That's that's my thought on it. I, like it could always happen because the UFC is going to put timing over everything, and like maybe the timing works out where they just need a, a title fight and Chavkat can't for one reason or another. He's still recovering, but I I don't think they go back to the Usman well just because of, I mean, he's lost three in a row, giving him a title fight for losing three in a row is a little weird, but it could happen. I just think it's unlikely. Well, not even a title fight. I just think like Shavkat having to fight somebody else before he gets the title fight. Like, I think that's a possibility. Like if Leon and Bilal fight in May and then Shavkat's ready to go by July and they need another fight for international fight week, they could book Shavkat against Usman. Now I think Shavkat, you know, obviously I think Shavkat, I think Shavkat, Shavkat would say no. Yeah. I, I don't know. Why, why I just, would he choose to accept a fight that's not for a title? Right. One now? aspect to this that we maybe haven't mentioned yet, but is always important when you're when you're weighing these these things for this sort of exercise is like the UFC gets behind Shavkat. I think it feels like the UFC has fully gotten behind him, and there's they, I think they, they know, know what's up. Yeah, they know they have something there with the 18 fights, 18 wins, 18 stoppages. Like that is a very easy thing to put up on the poster. His fights are very exciting for the most part. You can miss me with the he's a boring fighter because he had one boring round while he was injured against Wonder Boy. Like, go back and rewatch Jeff well, Neal fight. I mean, the Jeff Neal fight was insane. not even just that, dude. Like, he's a star. He might not be a star here, but dude, he has like a million Instagram followers yeah. or whatever. Like, the country of Kazakhstan is behind him in a very real way. He has a Khabib and, like, type sure, of aura that's not, in that regard. Yeah. You know, and that's not like, oh, he's got the billion people from China, but it is still like that is being able to galvanize that many people that vociferously in the way he already has, you can market that. And like, that is a way to make money with him. And I, I think that he's just, I think the UFC sees this. I think that that also speaks to like when Dana White refuses to say that Bilal is the next in line. I feel like Shavkat was a big part of that, at least at that press conference before the UFC yes. knows, hey, Shavkat's injured and this is not an option. I feel like they were still leaving that door open of, hey, maybe we just have Shavkat run in here rather than Bilal. That was what that read to me. I think I think the problem, here's, here's where I get scared picking guys like Shavkat to become champion is because you're one away. Like, I'm pretty confident Jamal Hill's going to get a title shot in 2024, so I can feel a little bit more confident about picking him to become a champion. We know John Jones is already champion. He's going to defend his belt at some point next year. You know, I, I, I'm gambling on Hamzat because, again, he's not technically, we know he's not getting the next title fight. Drake is Duplessis is. But, again, that's in January. This one's the one that scares me, though, because Shavkat is still not the next guy. We're all pretty confident Bilal's going to get the shot. When that happens and how that happens, and then Shavkat coming back from the injury, that's just what scares me is the timing because Shavkat comes back, yeah, you say, why would he take that fight? 
we know how the UFC operates. If they say, hey, fight Usman in international fight week, he says, no, I'm going to wait. And then they bury him. That's what the UFC does. They don't care at that. But unless you're Conor McGregor, they will bury you for turning down fights and, and, and not doing what they want. The only guy, the only person who seems to can just sit out and wait and do whatever they want is Colby Covington. Outside of that, they're pretty they're pretty on point with like if you turn down a fight, they're like, okay, well, you're gonna sit out till 2024. I just, That's I what scares me about it. I don't think they're thrilled with the Leon Edwards era. And I feel like they don't want to throw away what they would potentially have with a Shavkat type of era. Because we've seen they've seen it hit with the Habib era of like have the ultra dominant guy who has his country behind him who finishes people. Like they've seen this work. And I feel like they're trying to lead that lead us towards that direction. At least that's my read on it. Shavkat just Shavkat just needs a personality. He needs a personality. That's what he has a that's hat. What that's all the personality. Fun name. Needs. Very fun name. He's got a great hat. Shav- Shavkat needs like that's a great they name. Need a, they need a they need a Khabib they need a Khabib personality transplant for Shavkat because like that's the one thing he's missing is he has like he has just, no personality. He's just, just like give him give him a mouthpiece like they do in pro wrestling and let him wear his hat and let him keep just absolutely demolishing folk and it's gonna be fine. There it is. I like that. I like that. We're gonna take a quick break and then we'll continue on the other side. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, y'all, we are back, and we're jumping right back into it. Lightweight up next, and I mean, I don't even know if we need to talk about this. Does anyone here not have Islam Makachev as their pick? Well, as you already revealed earlier on the show, we unanimously as a website yes. <laughs> him as the pick. So, so no, none of us don't have him. Can anyone make a case for why we would, like, what's the case for all of us to be wrong? I think the case is... Uh, Mike Heck is the only like viable argument here. And that is, 
I believe Islam is going to fight Justin Gaethje next. I know that that is, I think, Charles Oliveira is maybe like the betting favorite for that. But my sort of read on this, he's going to fight Gaethje, he's going to fight Oliveira this year because he's going to fight twice a year, and that's going to be the end of his year. He's going to beat both of those people pretty handily. There is a world where he fights you know, either Gaethje or Oliveira, however that ends up working out, and then Armand Sarukian does sort of sneak in a title fight at the end of the year, and while I would still pick Islam to win that fight, Sarukian, I think at this point, is clearly the most difficult possible matchup for him uh, among the current kind of crop of lightweight contenders. Even more so than Gaethje? Super young. Yeah, I think Gaethje is uniquely poorly situated to beat Islam Akhachev. I thought Gaethje had like was an interesting matchup for Habib in a way that other people weren't and that that fight went almost exactly like I thought it would go like either Gaethje can win because of the tools he has or he is going to lose emphatically in the worst way possible but that's better than just like the way Dustin Poirier lost where he never really had a chance to beat Habib I know people are like pumped about the guillotine but it was just like no he was just gonna lose less badly than Gaethje was but I thought he had zero chance to really win that fight I think Makachev gives Gaethje just no room to succeed like there's just Gaethje is not a good defensive grappler just like straight up and Makachev is one of the most effective defensive strikers in the history of MMA so there's just no window for KG to have success in this fight. Like it is purely a puncher's chance that I don't think really exists for him. So uh, I want him to get his title shot. I think he deserves it, but I think Islam is it, it's going to be bad for him. I think Gaethje presents more problems to Islam than Charles does, which is why a part of the reason I want them, to, I want to see that fight because Gaethje, the new Gaethje, the new Justin Gaethje, the new patient Justin Gaethje was just not going out there and winging bombs and stepping in and just absolutely plowing his way through every fight. Like he fought Fazeev, like he fought Poirier. I think that guy has a much better chance to damage and hurt Islam on the feet and, and stifle the wrestling a little bit to, to, to get a win. I don't pick him to win. I think Islam wins. I think Islam just, steamrolls Charles again. I think that's just always going to be a terrible matchup for Charles Oliveira. Um, and I think, again, I'm picking Islam, but I think Gaethje is the harder fight. I, I like Saruki, and I think Saruki, I, I like to see Saruki in, in Charles. That's the fight I want to see. Yes. And I think that's a really interesting matchup um, given what Saruki did to Darius. But I'm not, I'm not all in on Saruki just yet because, you know, a couple of fights ago, he did lose. It was a great fight, but he did lose to Matush Gamrat. So I'm not all the way there on Saruki just yet, but I think he's going to be there maybe 2025. But next year, I think it's going to be Gaethje, Oliveira, and or again, if they put Oliveira and Saruki, maybe Saruki wins and they put him in there. I don't know, but I'm still going to stick with Islam. Yeah, I fundamentally disagree with you, Damon, by the way. I think Charles is a better, is a more difficult matchup because of the like i think he will i think he's he's a more interesting matchup than gaethje because of the rematch charles is really smart and won't he came into that fight doing all the things i thought he would come into that fight doing which is like oh i'm confident playing my guard game because i like it's fine and i was like that's like the worst idea you can have it's a really bad plan and super not going to work out for you and he kind of figured that out after the first round and so like in the second round he approached it differently and then he got thumped I still think, like, obviously, I still think Makachev beats him, but there is a part of me that is interested to see the changes Charles brings to the rematch because he does have so many tools. Uh, whereas I, I know what Gaethje's going to try and do, and I, he deserves his day in court. 
I just really don't think he has any chance to pull it off. Ultimately, there's a reason Islam is the number one pound for pound <laughs> fighter in the sport, right? He's 32 years old. He's in his prime. It doesn't feel like the year. He's legitimately one of the best fighters I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it, this feels like one of the years of him building his legacy rather than the year it all comes to an end. Let's move on and let's talk about the division that was sort of linked with lightweight the entire year for 2023, right? Like the entire, for 10 out of the 12 months, we talked about lightweight and featherweight together because of what Islam and Alexander Volkanovsky had together. Now that is separate. Now that is over. And it is the Alexander Volkanovsky story of whether he can continue what is already a historic run of him basically being the oldest person at his weight class to ever hold this belt and continuing to do that as he marches towards 40 years old. Damon, let's start with you. Where did you go at featherweight? Is this the year the Volkanovsky reign ends or do you have him retaining all throughout? So I know Ilya Taporia is going to be a popular pick because he has looked incredible and he is a phenom. I think we all agree on that. He's a, he's a vicious, vicious fighter and we all love him what he brings to the table. But I'm not ready to give up on Volkanovski just yet. I, I, it's almost like, obviously, Tapori is getting the shot. He deserves the shot. But it's almost like I, I almost wish he had one more fight to kind of cement his position and, and prove he's there. And I'm, just, I'm not quite ready to pull the trigger on the end of the Volkanovski ring. What scares me most about Volkanovski is fighting and getting knocked out in October and then turning around in February. I don't love that timeline. That scares me a little bit. But... Volkanovski lost that heartbreaker to uh, Islam last February in the fight of the year, MMA fighting's fight of the year for 2023. And I was like, man, if there's a time somebody could try to take advantage of like a little bit of a downtrodden Alexander Volkan. Now, I didn't have a lot of faith in Yair Rodriguez, but you remember every, a lot of people were picking Yair to win that fight. Like a lot of people were turning on that, that Yair Rodriguez not. train. And it was a one-way, just one-way ass-kicking. It wasn't even close. Yair did nothing in that fight. Volk just ran over him. So I don't think it's going to be that, but I'm still not ready to give up on Volkanovski yet. And if he beats Ilya, I mean, who else is out there that's really going to challenge him? Is he going to fight Ortega or Rodriguez again? Is he going to fight Max for the 18th time? Who's Arnold Allen, baby. Huh? Arnold Ar Allen, baby. He yeah, also Allen, yeah, fight yeah, it yeah. out. Yeah, featherweight, featherweight, Darren until I'm going to get it done. Uh, Whoa, so, that, is, that is deeply that is, disrespectful. Uh, that is Allen, incredibly who's a incorrect. substantially better fight than um, Darren No, I'm going. I I'm going to stick no, with no, 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 I can't gloss on that. I am personally offended <laughs> at that remark. I knew that would get you. You guys are such Arnold Allen fans. I'm not on the Arnold Allen train, although I, I think he could beat most. Plus, I'm, not, I'm an Arnold Allen fan. Darren Till wasn't good. Like he was just bad. <laughs> he was just bad, uh, but he talked. That's not Arnold at all. Everyone. Hey, everyone was on the Arnold Allen train when he fought Max, and Max went out there and proved he's still the best guy in the world, not named Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, I'm going to stick with Volkanovsky as champion, and I'm going to make him my other lock because oh. I'm just not ready to give up on him yet. If he beats Ilya, if he beats Ilya, and that's the big one, if he beats Ilya in February, there, I don't think there's anyone else that's going to beat him. Like, that's the problem. Like, that's what I'm gambling on. If he beat Ilya, is the toughest challenge for him at Featherweight right now. If he beats Ilya, there's nobody else I see touching Volkanovski in this division. So I'm going to stick with Volkanovski as my pick, and he's my other lock. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Jed, how about you? 
First, I'd just like to say, wouldn't this be a much more interesting conversation for both this and the previous weight class if instead of just shoehorning Volk into that rematch with Makachev after the quote-unquote injury to Charles, if we had just let backup fighter Matush Gamrot do his job, then we'd be talking this year like, well, we know Volk's going to defend against Tapuria. But if he wins that, then like, what's going on here? Is he the guy he fought Islam so well? They run a rematch, maybe he gets it done. Would have been a way more interesting conversation for lightweight. Uh, instead, we're here, and I say all that to say this: uh, Alexander Volkanovsky is going to get got. I'm on the Ilya Tapuria bandwagon. I'm on the train. Man's 35 years old. He, I know it was short notice, so you got to take a whole lot off that. But he did not look particularly good in the rematch with Islam Makachev. The things he said afterwards, I know that he has since kind of made other statements about that. I'm not willing to totally disregard the things he said after that fight about, you know, needing to fight to stay sane and paraphrasing a little bit, but like needing that sort of regiment. All of that is deeply concerning. The fact that he's turning around on very quick from getting knocked out to cut weight now and fight an absolute hammer in Ilya Tapuria is very concerning. Tapuria's most recent fight, the Josh Emmett fight, was the fight I needed to see to really get behind him as a fighter because prior to that, you know, Bryce Mitchell, Jai Herbert, you're seeing a dude who obviously has a world of talent behind him, but I wasn't sure he had the discipline to not fight like an absolute man on fire the whole time. Josh Emmett, he much more disciplined performance, much more mature performance. This is is how the sport works. You get old and you die. And that is is what is going to happen to Ilya Tepur, or to Alexander Volkanovsky and Ilya Tepuria. They will rematch later in the year. Once you lose the first one, you almost never win the second one. Uh, Tepuria gets two and zero over Volk. Suddenly, Alexander Volkanovsky is on a four fight losing streak. All the conversations around him being the greatest fighter of all time have taken a nosedive. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It's only three because he did beat Yair in between that. So, so he's lost four of his last five and uh, everyone starts to reevaluate his career because that's how things work. And it'll be a good year for our hero, Jed Mishu, at least for uh, your featherweight champion. <laughs> I like the year to throw there, that in there at the end. I hate to agree with you once again, Jeb, but I have to because I have been saying f- since the moment I saw him that Ilya Taporia was going to be the champion. Six for six, you and I are. <laughs> I said he was going to be the champion of this division, and I am certainly not off the train now. That is a 26-year-old man who is full of piss and vinegar who is going up against a 35-year-old man who is already the oldest champion in featherweight history. At some time, at some point, the Reaper comes for everyone, especially in these lighter weight divisions. It's the stat. It feels like it's coming, man. Two out of like 43 35 year olds in title fights have lost or, or won. Alexander Volkanovsky just got brutally, brutally knocked out. That does not bode well for the rest of his career at this stage of his career. It just feels like it's a moment. Every time with these dominant champions, they are dominant for so long and we can never see them actually losing until the moment they actually do. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, I told you so. I'm calling it beforehand. This is the year it ends for Alexander Volkanovsky, which is not an indictment on Alexander Volkanovsky. He's one of the greatest featherweights I've ever seen. He's one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen. But again, it's just some point it ends. And 2024 feels like the year it's going to end for him. If he can make it through this year, I'm going to have like real conversations within myself of where this man stands on the all-time list. Because if he can make it through this year as featherweight champion still with the, with the tests that will get thrown his way, we're talking about a different level of fighter at this point. 
I mean, he's already the greatest featherweight of all time. So, I mean, you know, he's already got that cemented for Volkanovski. So you're not um, going to bait us. You are not going to bait us, David. <laughs> I, I see that as the bait that it is. I will say that if he beats Depuria, um, I am getting closer to even engaging in that conversation. But if he beats Depuria and then fights Max for a fourth time, fuck out of here, man. Like, fight. I just fight another dude. Like, I don't need to see you fight Max again. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. We got five left, I believe. Yes, five left because women's featherweight does not exist. Jed, you nailed that. We don't even need to talk about that. But let's co- let's move on. Let's finish out the men's division. We're not talking about the co-leader here because <laughs> women's featherweight does exist in the PFL, but whatever. Men's bantamweight may be the most difficult division to pick right now for so many factors. This one, at least in polling the 11 people we do for this website, had the most diversity on our website, most different number that. of picks and, and, and you know people thrown out there. Because who knows what this year is going to look like, right? Sean O'Malley is, whether you like him or hate him, whether you're looking forward to his reign or not, he is in the mold of a Conor McGregor type of figure where he may, may not going to say he will, but he may pick and choose his matchups a little bit more than like a guy like a Leon Edwards or a Tyron Woodley or somebody who just takes on all comers. Sean O'Malley feels like the guy who might lean back and try to just fight once a year, maybe fight twice, but pick certain matchups. He's already starting it with this Marlon Vera fight that makes very little sense other than the fact that he wants it and there's a story there. So I don't know. I don't really know what this year's going to look like at Bantamweight. Where'd you guys end up with on this? I went, I think what I assume is the least popular choice here. It was hard. Um, because the I mean, we ha, we know a lot of stuff that is about to happen, and so but and then we are predicting a lot after it. So like we know that Piotr Jan is fighting Song Yudong. Like we know that that's going to happen, and that that the winner of that is going to be at least in the neighborhood of a title conversation. We know Morab's fighting Henry Cejudo, and the winner of that is probably in a title conversation. I picked Marlon Chito Vera to be your champion at the end of the year. Don't feel great about wow. it, but okay. I did it for really two reasons. One, I think he's going to beat Sean O'Malley. I think he is a uniquely bad style matchup for Sean O'Malley. I mean, think about how Marlon Vera fights. Uh, He doesn't win rounds. He wins fights. And Sean O'Malley is not like the world's greatest round winner. Sean O'Malley will engage with Cheeto in the ways that will allow Cheeto to win the fight. And Cheeto's just super durable. So with O'Malley trying to knock him out, it's not going to work. And instead, he's going to get clipped and tagged. It's going to be a bad time. Like it's, I think for Sean to win that fight, he is going to have to fight against type. And I don't think that he is going to be able to do that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And then I think they're just going to run it back. And that's why I'm picking Cheeto. I think we're only going to get two Bantamweight title fights. That's a big gamble. Like I don't think Cheeto's the best guy in this division, but... I don't know if Marab beats Cejudo straight up. Like, I have no idea how that fight goes. I, I don't know that Sean would fight the winner of that fight. Like, I just, I went with the guy who is going to win this upcoming fight, in my opinion. And I think they'll do a rematch and he'll win it again. And I'm hoping that that's going to be the end of Bantamweight for 2024. Because I would not pick Cheeto to beat any other dude that might fight for the belt after Sean O'Malley. So I'm really threading a narrow, narrow needle here. If Sean O'Malley 
gets an immediate rematch in a series where he is 0-2 <laughs> against the other guy get it. with zero title defenses, and Aljamain Sterling did not get his immediate rematch, Aljamain Sterling might spontaneously combust. We might lose Why are you saying forever. if? Why, like, why are you saying if? He is 1,000% going to get it. That's insane. And you're, you, you're not wrong, but it, I, you know I'm right. This is the same thing Damon did with John Jones. You may not like it, but you know I'm correct. I have just never actually considered that thought. That thought has never once entered my brain until it left your mouth. And I hate every part of it. And I hate that you 50-50 might be right. It's definitely happening if Cheeto wins. Jesus. Damon, where'd you go with this? So I hate Jed because he makes a good point and he's not wrong. It's like my John Jones pick. Like I said, you guys may hate it, but you know, I got a point. Jed, Jed's got an absolute point in no universe. Should Sean O'Malley get a rematch against Cheeto Vera, but Sean O'Malley absolutely probably will get a rematch. against Cheeto Vera Cause yep. that's the world we live in. Um, I am leaning Sean O'Malley to win that fight. I don't feel good about that pick, but I'm leaning Sean O'Malley. So I'm going to pick him to win that fight. And then at that point, I think he, he's going to do everything in his power to avoid Corey Sanhagen. That is the worst matchup for Sean O'Malley in that division beyond fighting uh, the guy who I will be picking in 2025 to be bantamweight champion. That is Umar Nurmagomedov. Uh, if he was actually, if he had actually fought Corey Sanhagen last year, I'd probably pick him to be champion this year, but the injury subdued. So 2025, there's my pick ahead of time. Umar Nurmagomedov, bantamweight champion. Um, I, I, I co-signed that pick, by the way. <laughs> he's not going to get it this year, unfortunately. So, I'm going to go with the guy who should be fighting for the title in March, and I'm going to go with Marab Dwalishvili. I like Henry Cejudo. I think Henry Cejudo, you know, he didn't have a bad fight against against Aljamain, but I didn't really think that fight was particularly close. Like, I know it ended in a split decision, but I had it four rounds to one for Aljo. I didn't think it was, like, that close of a fight. Like, maybe it was the ring rust, maybe it was whatever, but I just didn't think it was that close of a fight, and... I don't know that Cejudo is going to be able to deal with Marab's pressure and his spamming takedowns. We saw Mar- we saw Aljamain take Henry down, and I think Marab is a better wrestler, not better grappler, better wrestler than Aljamain, so I think he can actually take Cejudo down and frustrate him that way. And in a three-round fight, Marab's just got to spam takedowns for 15 minutes and he can win that fight. Look what he did to Piotr Jan. So I'm going to go with that, and then I think he fights O'Malley, and I think Murab beats O'Malley. So I'm going to go with the dark horse pick and say Murab really wow. gets his title shot off of what is 11 wins in a row and becomes champion by the end of 2024. So what I'm going Murab Yeah, I think this is a crazy pick. Yeah. You're not if Sean O'Malley, if Sean, No, not even for my – if Sean O'Malley wins this fight – I don't think he's fighting again this year. He's going to try and fight Javante Davis. Like he's not going to, why would he fight Marab Valsvili? Who will beat him? Like that would just be an insane maneuver for him to fight. That was very topical because we just saw that Javante Davis apparently changed his name to Abdul Wahid. Uh, It's his now Muslim name. He changed it to a Muslim name. That's not ideal branding, but you know, if it makes you happy, good for you. Is he, so is it Abdul Wahid? Is that like his full name, Abdul Wahid? Uh, breaking news, Javante Davis chose the Muslim name Abdul Wahid, which means the slave of the one today, which we're recording. Is he still going to be tank on Thursday? I don't Abdul know. Wah- tank, like, I'm just curious. I don't know. I hope this is correct. I mean, and I'm not just saying this, uh, and it's completely know, incorrect, but you know what you got to do when you're really becoming a global superstar, uh, that people know is change your name. That is what they tell you in all the brand <laughs> meetings I've ever been in. 
you have a brand that people can identify and enjoy and like know and respect, get rid of it. Time to change things up. It worked for Cassius Clay. I'm looking forward to Sugar Sean. Looking forward to Sugar Sean Smith fighting for the uh, bantamweight title. <laughs> in yeah, dude. Uh, Jeez, as you yeah. were expl- going back to bantamweight, as you were explaining your pick, Damon, I started hating my pick more and more because I agree with you. I had Marab Davalashvili as well, and I really went solely on. I have no idea what the hell to do with this division, so I'm going to pick the best guy in this division, and to me, that's Marab. But I don't think there's a real chance he's going to fight for it. And the more you talk it out and the more Jed says like, well, Sean wins, he's just going to not fight again. He's going to sit on it. I think you're right. I think you're all right. And I also think Sean's going to fight Corey Sandhagen before he fights Marab. I think he actually is more open to the Corey fight because it's, he just doesn't have any interest in giving Marab that little bit, that little taste. So I have Marab, but I don't like it. I feel really bad about that pick now, and I feel like I'm going to end up being wrong. Like, does anyone? Yep. Does anyone here like? And, I'll, and I'm just, I'm not trying to knock the guy. I really am not. But like, cr- credit to Sean O'Malley beating Aljamain Sterling. I did not pick him to win that fight. Don't love that they rushed Aljamain back into a title fight, but he took the fight. That's on him. But does anyone here? I mean, I know, I know, in terms of rankings, but I'm saying, like, does anyone here? Do we all believe that Sean O'Malley is actually the best bantamweight fighter? In the UFC, I don't, and that's why I'm like he's top five, and that's why I'm like Cheeto absolutely can beat him. Like I have no doubt in my mind, Cheeto can win that there fight. Grab can beat him. Like it's just Cejudo. I think could be Sean O'Malley. So like I don't feel good about picking Sean to say champion because I don't think he's legit. Like he is the number one bantamweight in the UFC, but I legitimately do not believe he's the best bantamweight in the UFC. Yeah, nope, sure don't. <laughs> right there with you. I will. Yeah, I I did well. I didn't think Connor was the best lightweight by like any remote concept of it, and then that bore out true. Sometimes it doesn't matter, and that's why. Like, I think if you think Sean's beating Cheeto, I think you should just pick Sean to be the champion because <laughs> I just don't think he's gonna fight anybody if he beats Cheeto, man. We'll you see. Might be right. We'll see. Might be right. We will see. We will see. Let's like Marab deserves it, and he might get an interim title. Like maybe that's a thing they do, but. <laughs> That's tough. I don't like anything you said about Sean O'Malley today, and you're absolutely could be right about everything you said about Sean O'Malley today. I love that this podcast is just the three of us bumming each other out, taking turns bumming each other out. That's, that's a good table setter for 2024. Let's move on. Let's finish out the men's divisions here with the last one, the littlest of them all, the 125ers men's flyweight. I nailed this last year. I got to say, I'm pretty proud of that. I've been saying Pantoja for a while. I've been on the pants train. For several years at this point, it was just a matter of him getting his opportunity. I thought this guy was always the best in this weight class. He finally got his opportunity. He proved me right. I'm picking him again. I think he defends. I think he has a little bit left in this reign before it moves on to someone else. Where'd you guys go? Uh, so last year, my pick flamed in a hard, hard way because I went with Manel Cop because I thought, you know, Manel kept getting these matchups and I was like, man, he just got to, he's got to get the shot. I'm super high on Manel Cop. Still am. But he just kept getting fights canceled. Everyone he was supposed to fight just kept dropping out. Every he had like eight t- eight top five opponents drop out last year, so he couldn't get a fight. Manel Cops, uh, just just to note, Manel Cops, twenty twenty three, he fought once. It was against Felipe <laughs> Dos Santos. <laughs> exactly. And how many of the, and how many times was he matched up against the top ten opponent in twenty twenty three? 
three times, in fact. <laughs> yes. Alex Perez, Davidson Figueredo, and Kai Kyle France, and all those fell apart. Exactly. So every my my instincts were right. Had he actually had those fights, he might have actually become a champion. Um, so I'm going back to the well again, boys. I'm going Manel Cobb again. Here's the reason why I stuck with Manel this year. He does have a fight in January against Mateus Nicolau. Ostensibly. Very winnable fight. We are, was it fe- February is when they're doing Moreno and Albazi. We have to Correct. imagine the winner of that is going to get Pantoja probably summertime and flyweights tend to stay a little bit more active. So I'm going to, I'm going to bet on that. I don't know who's going to win. I think Moreno will beat Albazi, but then will Moreno avenge his fight with Pantoja? Maybe, maybe not. And and that's like their fourth fight too, isn't it? The third or third fight, fourth fight, fourth, fourth fight overall would be their fourth. Uh, of his yeah. So pants. I don't know how that's going to play out, but I think if Manel wins in January, and then he fights once more in July, June, July against some top ranked guy, whoever that may be. And then by December, he gets his title shot. So I'm going to ride or die with my boy Manel Cobb, even though I feel absolutely terrible about this pick because it backfired on me spectacularly last year. Don't feel terrible, Damon. Cause I too am choosing Manel Cop as my final <laughs> champion. That. Look at you. We're not going the same route to get there. And I was very close to picking Brandon Moreno. Uh, I think Manel Cop is going to beat Mateus Nicolau in January. I think he's getting a title fight off of that. I don't think he has to fight again. Uh, Pantoja, you know, there's rumors the UFC's going back to Brazil, sort or you know, end of Q1 next year. Uh, Pantoja will obviously be on that card. I think Manel Cop gets that because if Amir Albazi beats Brandon Moreno in February, he's got the inside track for a title fight. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Brandon Moreno is going to beat him. I think the UFC is going to look at Manel Cop, this super exciting, fun dude, and they're going to look at a fourth fight with Brandon Moreno, who they like, but like he's 0 3. We don't need to make this happen coming off one win. Maybe he needs to get a few more to get another shot at Pantoja. And they just give Manel Cop the shot. Manel Cop avenges his previous loss, Alejandro Pantoja. And then maybe he fights Brandon Moreno at the end of the year. I don't feel great about his chances in that fight, but I decided I didn't want to go back to the Moreno well because I felt dumb because I got <laughs> burned on the Moreno well last year. So I decided to mix it up. Let's go, Starboy. There we go. That's the men's divisions. Let's now move over to the women. Uh, and as I said already, women's featherweight doesn't exist and it no longer will matter to any of us for this for these I'm purposes. Sorry. Talk. PFL, I'm I'm not part of these comments by Sheen Oshadi. <laughs> I, I recognize that you are the co-leader and you have uh whatever that Don Davis tweet was, a hundred percent of the top eight, like ten women's featherweights in the world, or whatever that insane tweet from Don Davis was. So we start with the bantamweights. Every woman's favorite division, women's bantamweight. I know you all love it. And I'm just I'm just sad that AK can't be a part of this conversation. So we're thinking of you, AK. Where did you guys end up for this vacant title that we are currently looking at? Well, this is easy. This is maybe the easiest choice I had of the whole year. Um, and the only reason it's not a lock is because uh, I have one coming up that I feel even better about, but it's my boy in Silva. The only way she's not holding the belt is if she gets popped for another banned substance. She's fighting Raquel Pennington for the title. She's going to win the title. Love Rocky, but... MBS actually like appears to be good after the last like year and a half, two years she's had and Rocky's old and not going to do it. MBS going to get the belt. Uh, I wouldn't pick Juliana Pena to beat almost anyone because that's just 
not something I'm going to choose to do with my uh, <laughs> my decision making. So yeah, MBS going to hold this, going to win the belt, going to hold it all year because she'll probably defend it one time or whatever. So yeah, Myra Bueno Silva, pretty easy choice for me. What about you, Damon? I'm with Jed, Myra Bueno Silva. I think she beats Rocky Pennington, and I do not want to live in a world where Juliana Pena holds the title again. Uh, <laughs> she has right. zero. She has zero wins over anyone on the current UFC roster, and I don't think she will have any any wins over anyone on the current UFC roster when she loses to Myra Bueno Silva. So uh, she's going to Colby Covington her way into a title shot off of not fighting for two years and losing to Amanda Nunes, but she's going to get in there, and I think Myra Bueno Silva washes her. So I'm going to go with Myra Bueno Silva. Uh, to win and remain champion throughout 2024 um, in a division that still kind of doesn't exist because they haven't had a champion in six months and they're just now crowning a new one. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with MBS to hold on to it because I cannot, I do not want to fathom a world where Payne gets the title again. I might regret my choice now as I'm thinking this too. Shaheen, who did you have? Well, first of all, I, I resent the Colby Covington shot right there. Juliana Pena actually won a fight of, of value. She beat Amanda Nunes. She, she beat the GOAT. What are we talking about? That's not the same as like your yeah, entire reputation being staked on two losses. But, but, she got, but, but then she got the brakes beaten off of her in a rematch and hasn't fought since then. It's been two years or it's going to be two years by the time she fights again. The Pena, And she's awful. The Pena narrative is so funny to me. A- Jed, you were like all aboard the Pena train in the first Nunes fight. You famously predicted th- that she would win. You were all in on it, and now you have yeah, completely funny. You've completely turned your back on her. But also the way that people paint her resume is so funny to me of like, oh, she doesn't have a win over anybody currently on the UFC roster. Yeah, because for like two years, would, would she was like in a rivalry a re- with the greatest female fighter of all time who chose to retire after it. Like, th- there's a reason. Was eight, she was in a rivalry for, with eight months. She was in a rivalry for eight months with Amanda Nunes. She won one. It was great. She lost the other. It's Juliana Pena. Just look at her. Like, the, it's, the, it's not the worst the resume I've ever seen, but, but it's not good. Yeah, that's the answer. It's Juliana Pena because she will fight for a title. Her next fight will be for a title. You think she's beaten MBS? And I think she's beaten MBS. I think people are really high on the MBS train right now because she managed to 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 end our our having to deal with Holly Holm in a title picture, which just seemingly went on forever. She finally kind of put that to an end, and I think people are just all in on it because of that. But I don't know, man. Like Holly Holm's forty something. That's a great win, but I would still pick Holly Holm to beat Juliana Pena. <laughs> That's a great win, but that does not sell me entirely on MBS yet as this supreme dominant champion in this division who can just handle everybody Dude, it's, else it's women's 135 great wins are like world-class all-time wins in any other weight class, you guys are, class is garbage you guys are forgetting about the one darker horse in this whole thing that could actually throw a monkey wrench in this whole plan and that is the return of jermaine duran dammy she's coming back this year and she has a win over Pena. You're so joking, but you're not actually. That's not actually a bad. Call. I'm not. I mean, I'm not I, saying she's going to be champion, but I'm saying she is coming back. Like there is a world where she, this is. It's women's bantamweight. Can you really doubt something stupid would happen like that? See, I had another dark horse that I almost went with, and I kind of regret not doing it just for the brand. But Valentina is Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like whatever happens with the Grasso thing at the end of it, win or lose, she's moving up to 135. She'll probably get an immediate title shot and like she's better than all of these women. <laughs> so probably should have taken her at least for the brand, but 
Ah, MBS, I'm fine with it. Nah, it's the UFC loves Juliana. They will give Juliana whatever she wants, and she has. <laughs> do they, she do has they really the best. love her though? They do. They yes, they do. They, yeah, they, they absolutely the, do. I, I agree. She's going to get the title. She fight. is their um, best. She's chance. just not good at fighting. She is their best chance for this division to have a champion that people will listen to because she speaks, and very few other people in this division speak. And ultimately, she has the best win of anybody else in this division, whether you like it or not. So that's where I ended up. Let's move on now to women's 125. Jed, you just said it. Alexa Grasso, Valentina Shevchenko, that's sort of still in the air. We don't really know where this is headed. It seems like they may end up fighting again because that fight was so close and controversial in the rematch last time. But who actually knows? And of course, there's some really talented folks waiting in the wings as well. I'll just spill it right off the bat. I picked Aaron Blanchfield. Because I picked Aaron, I think Aaron Blanchfield is inevitable, and I think at some point you have to just give her the shot. This last one that she's about to fight against Manifero has to be the last one before we finally get to this title shot. And I think whenever she gets that title shot, she is going to beat whoever is there, whether it's Shevchenko, whether it's Grasso, whoever. And so I'm planting my flag. This is the year of Aaron Blanchfield. Easy game. Um, this one, this is my other lock. Bang. She is going to. She's she's gonna run over Manon Furo, and I like Manon Furo. Um, she has sort of overachieved, but Manon Furo is just like Caitlin Trukagian 2.0. Um, so yeah, Blanchfield's gonna just club the hell out of her, and at that point, the only fight that makes sense is a title fight. She will fight the winner of Grasso Shevchenko three, unless it's Shevchenko, because I think if Shevchenko beats Grasso, there's no point in her sticking around. She's older. She has reclaimed the title. She can just be like, man, I'm out. I'm, I'm going to move up to 135 and try and do this. Uh, that would be the only way is if, if they allow Shevchenko to move up to 135 without vacating her title, and then Blanchfield just fights Grasso for an interim belt. But she's the best woman in this weight class by a good, good portion. And, uh, yeah, she's going to hold, hold the belt by the end of the year. I'm going to make it three for three, boys. Aaron Blanchfield's my pick. Uh, Interesting. I- Interesting. I'm I'm going in a slightly when Jed mentioned Shevchenko going up to the 135, it kind of threw a threw a little bit of a like a little bit of a, a pivot in my brain because I think Shevchenko should be champion right now. I think she beat Grasso. That decision was was bad. So she should be champion right now. And I think if she beats Grasso again, and and I'll lean Shevchenko to win that fight in in the next one because you know ostensibly she's won the majority of the rounds against. Alexa Grasso, you know, so I'm going to lean Shevchenko winning that fight. And then I love Jed's idea that she goes up to 135 and fights there. So now I'm kind of like, well, maybe Shevchenko is the champion of Bantamweight. But I think they do like the DC thing where they let her go up and hold the belt. But then as soon as she becomes Bantamweight champion, they take the flyweight title away from her kind of thing. And then we see Aaron Blanchfield fight for a vacant belt against Grasso or whoever else is out there at that point. Um, or if it ends up being, you know, if Shevchenko sticks around, I still think Blanchfield wins. And I think she washes Mendo Fior. I'm with you on the Jed train. I think she's completely overachieved. She did. I mean, she had moments against, uh, you know, against a very undersized Rose Namajunas, but I'm still not sold on Mendo Fior being like a legitimate top contender. Um, you know, when you have, when you well, lose striking she's exchanges, legit. she's just not good. <laughs> yeah. When you lose, when you lose striking exchanges at points to Jennifer Maya, I'm not totally sold on you. And so, yeah, I think Blanchfield wins that one. And then whether it's Shevchenko, Grasso or, or a vacant title, I think Blanchfield's holding gold by the end of the year. So I'm going there in Blanchfield. I'm a wee bit surprised that I'm the only one who locked this one up. This was my first and easiest choice for lock. I mean, like you get two, it was like, 
I'm I'm gonna go Blanchfield because she is definitely the best person in this weight class and is undeniably in a title eliminator fight early in the quarter. For me, it was just timeline. I do not know for a fact that this belt will be defended twice this year. I think I think we can assume that it is. Belts get defended. Maybe. I mean, we still don't even know what's gonna happen next. And let's not forget 24 or 23 title defenses last year. Like it's it averages out to every belt gets defended twice. I you know, I think they'll do Grasso Shevchenko when they go to Mexico sometime early next year, which has sort of been rumored. And then Blanchfield gets the winner of that at the end of the year. Well, we know we know they're doing the Mexico card early in the year with uh, Moreno and Albazi headlining. And don't forget, we got September with the Noche UFC card. They're going to do the sphere. They're going to do that. They're going to want Grasso or that's some. That's my worry. That's my worry is they yeah, wait that's, that's on what the Shevchenko so, rematch for yeah. the Noche card because it's going to be in the sphere. Like, it's there's be a all real that. world. God, if they do that, that would be nightmare. Because the Mexico card already booked. They already have like a main event yeah. fight. For that. They're not going back to Mexico again this year. They're going to do Mexico in February, and they're going to do Noche UFC at the Sphere in September. And if they're doing Noche UFC at the Sphere, they need I somebody. can 100% see a world yeah. where they put Grasso Shevchenko on that card. Because that was the headliner shelve. last year. It was a great main event. It was a great card. Yeah, it was a great main can't event. You shelve that title for a full year in like the best women's division. That would, I mean, you they can. can. God knows <laughs> you they'll can. do it. You absolutely That's so dumb. That would be, you have to take that, And in particular, at because point, at that point, just send Shevchenko up. At that point, just send her up to 135 and let Blanchfield fight Grasso because coming off this minute off your old, there's nothing to do with Blanchfield but give her a Dude, belt, Dude, we saw Bilal Muhammad sit the entire year after fighting very early in the year. Yeah, for but the Bilal, no fight. one likes Bilal. People like Aaron Blanchfield. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. This is what the, especially because the, the Noche UFC in the sphere. I hate y'all. Will be You're bumming me out. such a big tent pole that the UFC puts all yeah. its assets towards, similar to UFC 300 type of thing of, they don't care. They're just going to reserve the date and make people sit for now, it. We're doing we're doing Grasso Blanchfield. They're going to gamble the Grasso beat Shevchenko. Grasso Blanchfield for the belt in the sphere. That's what's happening. <laughs> UFC has been gambling a little bit more lately. They're going to gamble on that one. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, look when they had they had three Mexican born champions to at the early last year, <laughs> and they didn't go to Mexico, and they ended up with Grasso at the at Africa. They can't. They they will not risk not having at least one Mexican star headlining that Noche UFC card. And Grasso is the Bang. best shot at that. Nailed so it. there is absolutely a world where that happens. You nailed it. If Dana Dana has not stopped talking about the sphere thing, he's going to want to do a big card there. And I mean. Yair beats right Ortega. They're not giving him another title shot right away. You know, I mean, Moreno's the other guy. You know, Maybe they do Moreno, but fight Max again or whatever. No, they need a yeah. champion. They need a Mexican champion Definitely. for that sphere card. And right now they have one. And I just I think there's a real world where they sit on it. We'll see. We'll see. Yep. It's a weird, it's a weird setup. That's what I'm saying. So many of these y'all divisions. Are, y'all are bumming me out. I don't like it. <laughs> so many of these divisions are in weird places right now. We're on to our last one. It's the straw weights. Last year, I'm sorry to say, Damon, you were the only person on staff to get this one wrong. We all went Zhang. You went Rose. Didn't really work out for you. I'm sorry about that. She didn't even fight in this division. That was, that was tough. She I just went, I went tough. Rose purely for the fact that they love giving Rose title shots. And I was like, yeah, she has they a do. couple wins over Zhang. So. Fair logic. <laughs> totally fair logic. Uh, I'll just start us off on this one because for me, this has been an answer long, long in the waiting. I have been on this train. This is... 
This year is just you hoping all of the people you've bet yes. on for years. That's exactly what this through. is. And I have been on this woman's bandwagon. I'm doing the same, so it's fine. I've been driving this bandwagon since like 2017 at this point. This is the year of Tatiana Suarez. I f we finally saw her come back. We finally saw her fight a couple times in 2023. She is at the precipice of taking what has been rightfully or should have been rightfully hers for a very long time at this point. I think she does it. I think this is the year Tatiana Suarez finally gets that title fight. And I think whenever that opportunity comes, she will win because she's the best strawweight in the damn world. I'm staking my flag on it. Tatiana Suarez. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I honestly don't even have much to add to it. It's, I think that that is, you know, Suarez is fighting Amanda Lemos in February. That is about as no doubt about it. Title eliminator as you get, I think. I don't, you know, hopefully they do Zhang Yan because that is a fight that should happen. And Suarez fights the winner and Suarez will demolish the winner of this, of that fight. I think I'm a little bit interested. Wiley could, could give her some real problems, but I do think Tatiana Suarez wins. So I'm with you. I've got her as my champ at the end of the year. So my gut says make it three for three because Tatiana Suarez is the best straw weight in the world. And I, to me, it's not You're going back to the Rosewell. No, I'm sure I'm not going back to the Rosewell. I'm I'm once again gambling on the timing aspect of it because I don't think that Zhang and I think they're going to find a way to put Zhang Weili and Yan Zhaonan in China. When that happens, that's the problem. I don't know when that could happen. They tried to go to Shanghai in December. It didn't happen. Maybe they go back in June or July. I don't think that fight's going to end up on like UFC 300. Um, so Tatiana Suarez beats Amanda Limos, and then I think it's just a matter of timing. If, if Zhang Weili fights Yan Zhaonan June, July, August, does she fight again this year? You know? And so I went, with Zhang, I went with Zhang Weili only because of timing, only because I think she beat Yan Zhaonan and then she may not fight again this year. My heart says Tatiana Suarez. When Tatiana Suarez fights for the title, Tatiana Suarez will become champion. I just don't know that she's going to get that shot this year because of timing. Because it looks pretty clear they're going to give Yan Zhaonan the title shot. And I'm fine with that. But the problem is, is timing. And so that's where I go back to like, when Tatiana gets the title shot, Tatiana will become champion. But will she get the title shot this year? That's the only thing that scares me. That was my big concern. So I'm, I'm with you. I understand it. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not, question. It's not if, it's when with Tatiana Suarez. Like she's going to be champion. One, I have zero doubts in my mind. When she gets that title shot, she will become champion. I just don't know if it's going to happen this year because – we're we're already booked through March. We know April's going to be UFC 300. I don't think they're going to put Whaley and and Yan on that card. That seems like a weird fight for UFC 300 when they could easily go to China and sell that and actually have a really really big card in China. Um, and then we're looking at May, June, and then we're getting into that playing the timing game of like, do they fight again in 2024? And so I just don't know. So I, my gut would say Tatiana, she gets in November, December, she becomes champion, but I just don't know. I, I I'm, I'm playing that gambling game. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lean Zhang Weili and not feel good about it. I think this just comes back to another thing of the UFC does not want to ruin this and you cannot play with fire with Tatiana. If she is ready to fight, you book that fight. We have seen too many times where this did not work out because they waited too long with her and she got hurt again. I just, I just feel like this is the year. It has to happen. It's we've been waiting for for so long and this feels like the year. Also, Tatiana Suarez, Patchy Mix, is that like a top three all-time power couple in MMA of just insane talent in the same household? It's ridiculous. 
I mean, yeah, there's not like there's like a deep well to draw from in that particular category. But yes, I, I would say that's probably right at the top of the list. If not number the best, one, it's the best bet. The best bantamweight and the best strawweight, I would say that's pretty, that's definitely number one. I think Patchy's the best bantamweight in the sport, and Tatiana, I think, is the best strawweight. She just it doesn't have the belt yet. Too much talent. Too much talent in that household. Well, there it is. There's our 11 UFC champions. Uh, a quick review of our locks. Jed, you have Aaron Blanchfield and Tom Aspinall. Damon, you have Alexander Volkanovsky and John Jones. And me, I have Shavkat Ragmanov and Tom Aspinall as well. All of us going in on the heavyweights. I think it's awesome that uh, both of Damon's locks, I do not have as much as this year. <laughs> it's that kind of year, man. It really feels like anything is up for grabs in 2024. I don't know how any of this is going to play out. So much of this in the I mean, I do. I just told you how it's going to play out. I gave you the list of the 11 champions. It's That's fair. bulletproof. That's fair. I'll be 11 for 11. If you can do that, you can come into my house and steal anything you want. <laughs> Boom. That's on wax, ladies and gentlemen. That is a, a legally binding <laughs> verbal agreement. And we end up right where we started. I just want three out of 11. Can I get one more than I had last year? Is that possible? <laughs> <laughs> Only up from here, Dan. Only up from here. At least I'm honest. At least I'm honest about it. That's a great goal. Just improvement. It's 1% better every day. You know, exactly. it's all about and there we have it. That is our 11 UFC champions for the year. I always love doing this. It is going to be such a weird, wacky, I, bizarre 2024. It looks like. Let's see who's right. Let's see who's wrong. Y'all send us your picks. We want to hear your picks. Join in this game with us. See if you can beat us. It's so difficult. It's so much more difficult than you think it is. But that's the fun in it. Thanks for joining us today. As always, kicking off 2024 in style. That man is Damon Martin. That man is Jed Mashu. I am Shaheen Alshadi. We love you guys. Rock with us for 2024. It's going to be a fun time. See ya. Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. 
This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the US, so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.